0: Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast, brought to you by the team at Vegan Food and Living, the UK's best-selling vegan magazine and the UK's number one vegan content site. In today's episode, we're focusing on the global fashion industry and its impact on animals, humans and the environment. We start by discussing whether we wear secondhand leather and what wearing leather portrays to non-vegans. And then we go on to discuss wool. Is it a natural cruelty-free material after all? And in part two, we meet Rebecca Capelli, producer of new film Slay. A previous fan of fur and luxury leather goods, Rebecca went vegan and opened her eyes to what these fashion items represented. She then travelled the globe to uncover what goes on behind clothes stores, documenting her journey into the fur, leather and wool industries. Rebecca shares her findings and thoughts along with positive steps we can all take to make a difference. What have you been up to, Molly? Oh, what have I been up to? Ah. Oh. <laughs>
1: Uh it was our anniversary. Mine and your anniversary. That oh, it was mine and yours anniversary. Didn't, you didn't know, you forgot the memo.
0: I, yeah, I didn't get invited. No, I
1: know. No. Um, no, it's my me and my partner's um three year anniversary. Um, so I had a little long weekend. We didn't go anywhere, we just um oh my god. I've got a new restaurant, Bristol Heads. You need to go there because this is insane. It's called Kaibo or Kibu. Don't quite know the pronunciation. K
0: I B O? K I B O
1: U. It's Japanese. Okay, right. So I'm not not too sure of the pronunciation, but all I know is that it's delicious. Oh my God. I'm obsessed. It's Mm. literally like the outside is. It's got, like, trees and it's got, like, autumnal leaves, like, growing on the on the wall. Um, it looks like an Instagram spot. So I was kind of slightly dubious about that because I always think that if a place has, like, loads and loads of influencers, I don't know. Yeah. Does that mean that the quality is going to be, or the food is going to be great? Or if they're just kind of, like, pumping loads of money in it to just get, like, loads of Instagram followers or whatever. Yeah. But this is not that that doesn't fall under that sort of stereotype The the food was just amazing the sushi was so good cocktails are so good oh. so much so much vegan options as well so many vegan options even um and yeah we we ate good and affordable for sushi really? oh, yeah so um, it 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 was it was a treat it was you know it was expensive but it wasn't like astronomical i think the service and everything it was just yeah worth the money yeah really really lovely place
0: whereabouts is it in bristol
1: clifton village
0: oh okay it's really like
1: it's really tucked away like you wouldn't even think that it was there it's my new favorite place i'm obsessed
0: oh god i wish i had better places to go to (laughs) so depressing uh well i've I've got news in that I've got a German student coming to live with me.
1: You've just adopted a German student. I love it.
0: We <laughs> really know how it's happened, and I'm feeling very overwhelmed for anyone at home with kids this week during half term. I feel your pain i am <laughs> trying to juggle it all, and you just feel like you're not doing anything well. you know you're not but you are you are doing well. you don't give yourself enough credit you are and mate, you're
1: amazing at your job. You're an amazing mum. You're an amazing dog mum, and you're going to be an amazing host.
0: <laughs> oh, bless you! Thanks, Molly. I'm just feeling a bit <laughs> overwhelmed and a bit knackered today. I'm like, oh, really feeling 44. Uh, yeah, she somehow I've agreed to um take her in. Bless her. She's um she already had a host family, and there was some sort of problem, so they needed to move her. And my my friend had her along with two other students, and it was all a bit getting a bit tight for space so yeah somehow she talked me into it but I think it'll be an amazing experience for the kids.
1: Yeah,
0: and it might actually fuck their ideas up a bit you know like they'll have to (laughs) come out of their rooms they'll have to start be a bit more polite and yeah
1: I was gonna say maybe they've got someone else in the house they kind of have to you know host a little bit and as you say be polite and maybe you know introduce it did you say that she is already living in the UK
0: yeah so she's been here since September they come over and do like a year an academic year. Yeah. Um she's not vegan so it's going to be interesting mm. um to share on the podcast how we get on with that. Um Yeah. She has said on her notes that she likes sushi and noodles so I'm thinking we'll hopefully get on. Yeah. Because <laughs> in terms of food um because you know we love all that kind of food but um yeah it's a little bit worrying because I'm like I don't want her to just to be sort of pushing food around her plate you know because a lot of the things we cook are very vegetable heavy so
1: <laughs> well i mean you know it's not i i don't think maybe that's necessarily a bad thing like in her own time or whatever she can she can do what you want. you're not going to be like you if you're living in this house you're only in you know true. I mean?
0: yeah you're she, not
1: you're not pushing that you know that, yeah yeah
0: that line yeah if she's if she's out and about then she can eat the sausage roll she wants, can't she? If that's what she likes, she'd get a vegan sausage roll. <laughs> but I was thinking, oh good opportunity here, you know, because she says she's um still really bad talking about the <laughs> no. matter, yet. But um yeah she's <laughs> she, she's um said on her form that she loves animals but obviously she, she eats meat. So I'm just thinking maybe I could just like introduce her to a few, you know, few uh nice vegan dishes and yeah never know she might kind of
1: The route is always through food. You know, enlightening people through food. I think that's... We harp on about it so much on the show, but I think that is like the main route almost yeah, because as is. you say people love animals but then they eat them so that obviously doesn't work
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I won't be like hello so you love animals but you eat them right let's sort this Literally out now. out <laughs> before she even steps in the door hand on the doorway <laughs>
1: yeah. you think you're gonna eat meat for the next three months you could think again <laughs> i and watch this film <laughs> <laughs> oh you're gonna have her. a lovely time you're gonna have a lovely time and I'm yeah. sure she is as well and yeah, a lot of learning and learning yeah. on your behalf
0: as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know any German. I didn't do German at school. I, I know, well, I can sort of, I can do school, schoolgirl French, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> Order. Les le Chien. Isn't that dog? She is, not it, She, is. she is. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I can just about, I think on my honeymoon, I managed to book a horse riding lesson on, on the phone. And I was so impressed.
1: Was that uh, on purpose? Did you mean to book a
0: horse riding yeah, lesson? Yeah, yeah, you, it wasn't a mistake. Was those the only
1: words that you could remember?
0: <laughs> no, I managed to do it horse trekking. But of course, as soon as they, they, as soon as the French people <laughs> were talking back to me, I'm just like, don't know what you just said yeah sometimes
1: it's just easier <laughs> to say in English isn't it, it is. like when you when we are Brits typical whenever we go away like try and learn certain phrases and you know if we're at restaurants or whatever waiters they're just like it's just easier for both
0: of us I know you're like I just want to try give me a chance <laughs> but yeah I don't know any German so uh this, yeah it could be interesting um I thought today we could talk about um the topic of fashion because in the interview coming up next i'm speaking to rebecca capelli who's the Mm. um, co-director of or co-producer i think of a new film called slay which is available on water bear and it's a documentary style film that looks into the global um global fur wool and leather industries um i'm not gonna lie i did cry hard watch it was a hard oh. watch. Obviously, like all these films, they don't show like really, really gruesome things. Yeah. It's more like just little snippets and what's implied and what's said. And, you know, it's it's not like it's, you know, an hour and a half of animal abuse. So I would say watch it, definitely, because even as, yeah. a, vegan, even as a vegan of five years, it was still an eye opener for me. Mm-hmm. But, oh, you just do. Yeah, I did watch it. And afterwards, I was just, just like, oh, my God. Right. I've got to go. I've got to go tell everyone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the emotional sort of like strain and just the reality of how brutal it is. And I think fashion as well in particular, it's not necessarily spoken about as much as kind of like, you know, farming Food farming, particularly. This
0: is it. Even even you might go and buy a joint of beef. There could be at least a picture of a cow on it, looking happy. At least there's some kind of connection. Whereas you're not going to buy a leather jacket and there's a little face of a cow going. This is. Do you know what I mean? Literally, the animal is not even in the picture at all. Yeah, it's it's very easy to like
1: disassociate it, isn't it? Um, Yes. Good word. I thanks. Thanks. Thinking of that. <laughs> this is so shit. Okay, get back. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> Without maybe giving too much of the documentary away, is it like what what is the premise? Does it just kind of go through the realities of it for like the animals, um, like the protection and all that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, so um Rebecca is sort of on her own journey and she didn't sort of plan it out or script it at all. She just went on this journey to discover more about it. And she was very much into like high, high fashion, a luxury designer fashion. She, I think she had fur, um, you know, loads of leather luxury items. And, um, I think at some point she went vegan and then, and wanted to look into the industry. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just her journey, yeah. And you can see how shocked she is at discovering some of it. I mean, she looks at the animal welfare side of things and the environmental side of things. So, yeah. as as a not, lot of people know, leather is absolutely terrible for the environment. I mean, the amount of water that yeah. it takes to just wash and wash and wash those hides because they're you isn't know, there
1: chemicals as well. I I think um, I remember writing a news story not too long ago about you know, how they make, like how they clean the hides, I think it is. And I'm pretty sure there's like a really harsh chemical and there's sort of countries that are producing this are then having all of these chemicals and dirt and just nasty stuff just washing into their waters.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's um, poorer communities that are yeah. dealing with th- these chemicals. And I think it's like a, a toxic mix of chemicals and there's higher rates of cancer. They've got, you know, yeah burns. There's, People like losing fingers in the machinery because it's not Yeah, a- this
1: is this is also another um factor into a lot of these things, even with sort of meat for food production, it's the welfare of the workers. And, you know, as you say, it does tend to be poorer people from, you know, all over the world that mm-hmm. are having to do these jobs because, you know, people don't wake up one day and be like I want to work in a abattoir. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Maybe there are some, but like, or, or, you know, (laughs) I want to work in a leather factory, stuff like that. You know, it's not.
0: It's it's... working because you have to, working there because you have to. You have no
1: choice. And then you're forced to work with these horrible, you know,
0: materials and conditions. And it's, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. And a lot of immigrant, um, migrant communities as well. So in Italy, no Italians are working there at all um yeah. so yeah it just goes to show but yeah the animal welfare side of things is obviously horrible too and um, wool was really interesting because I think a lot of the time we think oh is it really that bad you know yeah like,
1: I this is something that I've only kind of really like been enlightened by it's the fact that I think in my head I was like well a sheep needs to be shaved isn't like that <laughs> and then it's just like the the byproduct of it do you know what I mean and it's only until you look into it further, it's just like, no, like it's only after like centuries and centuries of us like shearing and taking wool that sheep are having to they constantly grow this wool.
0: Is it because um it, are they breeding them to have more and more wool? Is
1: yes, I mean? believe so yeah. yeah, I believe so.
0: Yeah, and it's it's the sheer scale as well, isn't it? Because I think we, you know, like a lot of things. You know, I say we. I mean, pe- us people, humans. We're kind yeah. of conditioned to see, uh, sort of, believe that you know the farmer has a few sheep and they're just having a yeah. nice life, and then all oh, they need shearing, so they're just gently shearing this wool, and then we make it into a nice cardigan. But you know, the, the, the this is a massive global industry, yeah. and there's you know billions of sheep. I mean, they they look at the. um in the movie, they look at uh, the sh- like sheep production in, I think it's Australia. So they're not natural sort of inhabitants of, it, it was either Australia or um, New Zealand. So that causes loads of problems. And then they're like, they're sort of breeding them to save money in the winter months. So then loads of the right. lambs are dying.
1: Oh my God.
0: I think it sounds like a pretty, I don't want to
1: say the word grueling because I think it then puts people off because this is the reality of it. It is a grueling reality, you know, but I think it's something that people need to watch. We've both kind of vocalized how we're not you know the biggest fans of watching these kind of um the expose kind of documentaries and stuff like that because they are hard to watch, especially when you are a vegan and you're you're conscious of these things and you're trying to make efforts to stop it, but then you're just seeing that it's happening no matter what. It's it can be really disheartening but i think having the knowledge behind you and assure like to assure yourself this is why you know i follow this lifestyle and this is why I'm, I'm trying to make these changes and to just help educate other people as well
0: yeah definitely it's it's a funny one isn't it because um you know do you know there's that sort of uh that old question um, should you wear you know should vegans wear like secondhand leather because it's obviously more sustainable yeah. have you you know have you got any leather items from your pre-vegan days that you still I wear I do yeah I do I
1: do and I still do wear these and I'm, I'm not trying to play devil's ad- advocate in this situation because I understand people you know are very hard line with it or they're a bit more relaxed and I think when it comes to you know buying pre-loved clothes and recycling clothes and stuff like that i i think that is where you know a lot of the uh, the impacts of fast fashion particularly we can impact we can have a positive impact by just reusing clothes understandably some people aren't going to wear fur i wouldn't wear fur which is funny isn't it i wouldn't wear fur but i wear pre-loved leather Yeah, yeah that that again i think it's down to the um Diso- disassociated
0: yeah 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 disassociating
1: from the fact that it's well I can see that it's from an animal yeah um but with leather I've it has no
0: resemblance of a cow yeah. so it's 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 a hard one yeah I think before before well I've slowly sort of I've got like one pair of shoes they're like just sort of slip on brown leather shoes and I've had them for years they're practically falling apart. <laughs> and I still wear those now and again, but I haven't got like I just don't think I'd feel comfortable now wearing like a leather jacket and stuff. Yeah. Because I I suppose what it is for me is I don't want because like recently I um found this leather bag in a charity shop. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really thinking about whether it was leather or not. It was just like it's in a charity shop. Yeah. You know, I'm giving to charity, doing my bit, and I need a bag. So I'm not going to go out and buy one that's made of plastic or leather or anything yeah. else, um, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, people kept saying how lovely it was. Yeah. And I felt really uncomfortable. And then, and then one of my friends, who's a guy, you know, a b- bit of banter, and it was like, oh, you hypocrite. Oh, is that. Yeah. Funny? And I thought, I don't feel comfortable doing this because I'm glamorizing this you know, the the use of leather because everyone's kind of um, envious of my new bag, whether it's second hand or not. So, yeah, I just think, and it's, especially after watching the film, I'm like, no. Yeah, it, it's not a black and white situation, is it? And it's more
1: of how you personally can, how you personally feel about it and your sort of, not morals, but... Yeah, just how far you're willing to go for it. I think personally for me, I would have potentially still have worn it because it was from a charity shop. If I had bought it directly and it had been from like a mass leather producer, then that would have been different. But I think because it's that element of secondhand, you know, it's not going to be a landfill or whatever. Yeah. I think there is such a crisis with fast fashion. And as you say, that's just clothes that are being made today and they are just being made of plastic and that then it's like oh yeah this is a good alternative it's like no it's not it's not a good alternative it's literally killing our oceans it's have you seen those videos where there's just masses they look like islands of clothes that are just sent away to different countries where us in the west we don't have to think about it they're just sent off to you know countries that are just in poverty and they're just living with our rubbish it's it's horrible um
0: yeah and it's yeah things like polyester isn't it that's not biodegradable it's it's yeah that's the thing it's it's like is that like made from chemicals or plastic or something i feel like it is there's loads of like the poly
1: this that and the other um polythene, polythene not polythene i don't know there's, yeah. there's just so many and there's so many chemicals and stuff just like, I don't know what this is I have yeah. no idea I saw a little um my boyfriend showed me on twitter the other day and um there were these like fast fashion um like brand managers like sheen um what they were like cedar i think is another one pretty little thing obviously um and there were just clips from their tiktoks and they were doing like a live q a about the clothes and a lot of the questions were coming in like what is the impact of the planet like what what um, are your clothes made of and it was quite alarming they were all quite young as well say maybe like 20 to maybe 30 they were just like oh we don't care you know don't buy from us if you don't care and they're just producing millions of clothes yeah. like every week it's just relentless they're just it's the just... mass the sheer mass of clothes that they're pumping out and people are buying them wearing them once you and just throwing them away and it's I just know. If, if, a real,
0: real crisis. Sorry, I went yeah. off on
1: a bit of a tangent no, it's, there. No, I agree. <laughs> it
0: is shocking. One thing I was going to say, going back to what you're saying about plastic, I know there's another argument that, you know, people say, well, leather is more of a natural material than mm-hmm. the plastic alternatives, PU, yeah. PU, or... Yeah, PU, that's the um, one. And, um, you know, that that it's, it's a, a sort of more sustainable than... Um, the PU and the plastic alternatives yeah. it lasts longer but actually when the, this documentary is brilliant because it does this graph mm. and actually because of all the water and chemicals used in the leather it's not it's not yeah. natural at all and actually it's it was hugely more damaging for the environment than uh, the, the plastic alternative so that was yeah. quite an eye-opener it's a
1: bit of a rock and a hard place really isn't it because you know these plastic these clothes that are being made from plastic, they're targeted at you know lower income families and people and stuff like that, and then it's just like, well, I have no choice really to but to buy from these places like I'm not gonna not wear clothes, yeah, so and i'm I can't afford to maybe um you know buy like sustainable clothing. Um, from certain designers or whatever because again that's expensive you yeah. know people go to char- charity shops sometimes I'm a bigger girl like I've got bo- big boobs and a big bum and I really struggle getting clothes from charity shops so it's it's just this horrible cycle that kind yeah. of feels a little bit like what on earth do you do I know how do you target this and I don't know I don't know if I know I have the answer I don't I think you just kind of have to go about it in your own way choose how you think Choose what route you think is best for you because there just isn't a right answer, is there?
0: I know it is a really complex issue. It's like buying school shoes for the kids. You know, it's not something I cannot do. I have to buy them school shoes. They're not allowed to wear trainers. They're not allowed to, you know, they've got to be these certain types. And um, I think on one um, letter it specified leather. And I think I maybe sent an email saying, I don't agree with this. However, then I bought, and my daughter refused to wear leather. This is, she'd finished school now, but yeah. she refused to wear leather. So I bought her some, you know, a PU presumably or whatever they were, sort of plastic derived, and they did fall apart. So, school shoes are a nightmare. I remember my
1: brothers, they would just go through a pair, like yeah. more or less every term. obviously, you yeah. know boys running around playing football and stuff like that even me when I was in school like you'd have to get a new pair maybe once or twice a year it's mad and it it sounds quite defeatist doesn't it I feel like we're just sort of giving like examples of just I think our clothing our our clothing system is skis and laundry is fucked it is just (laughs) fucked and I don't know how to fix it (laughs)
0: yeah well i mean luckily there's and this is the way the film ends talking about a lot of new innovation new technologies new materials and obviously we've got all these amazing things like you know leather made from cactus and mushrooms and Mm -hmm. i don't know things made from seaweed but it's just not it's just not quite there yet is it and if it's yeah if, if, if you can find something available made from these amazing materials i think pineapple is another one um you know they are hundreds of pounds so it's it's just you know i think yeah but i i just think it's so important to stop stop buying leather
1: yeah and i think everyone doing their bit imperfectly
0: i think is the way forward yeah yeah definitely i was just talking about fur quickly i mean i was quite surprised as well to see the extent of you know because as i said to rebecca I felt like the fur thing was sort of being dealt with. I was like, yeah, don't have to worry about that. They're banning it everywhere, but still big, big problem. And
1: yeah, uh, I think it's banned in some countries, but I think there's still loopholes and stuff like that. Obviously, there's still designers working with materials. Like there are a few names that are being, you know, saying that we're not using that anymore, but there are still hundreds of people that still are
0: yeah that yeah i mean china the the farms fur farms over there anyway let's end on a positive (laughs) note it's it's a tough it's a tough topic isn't it it? you know and i think sometimes we have to sort of get a bit deeper than just sort of oh i love eating vegan food because there are some serious issues at play and you know we want to sort of do our bit don't we? we all us vegans do yeah um but it's hard. It can be hard and it can feel a bit overwhelming sometimes. It's just like, what what difference am I making? But yeah, I think exactly. Just, you know, just keep signing all those petitions when they come round, when you see them on. Um, are you like a member of uh, Compassion in World Farming and things like that?
1: No, I'm not.
0: One. Yeah, sign up to them. I just get their newsletters. I think I like... Give them like three pound a month or something ridiculous, but um, yeah. I just get like their newsletters and follow them on Facebook, and they're always doing lots of really good campaigns for like ending um life transport. That's one of their big campaigns. So, um, yeah, just yeah, keep sort of sharing, I guess, on social media, and yeah, as I said, everyone doing a small bit imperfectly
1: is, you know, going to be so much more beneficial. Than only a few doing it, you know, perfect and to yeah. the book. And yeah, as I said, it's not a black and white situation. And I think it's quite easy to take on guilt and to be like, well, I can't do anything. So I'm not going to do anything at all. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So exactly. doing what you can with your budget, with your lifestyle, with, you know, everything, I think, you know, is yeah. a good way. God, who are we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well said. Uh, everybody stay tuned don't go anywhere listen to rebecca my interview with rebecca um just coming up after the break and also uh don't forget and if you haven't seen already we're throwing a well a patreon party a live live podcast live podcast over on patreon yes it's just me and molly molly and i and just yeah chatting all sorts yeah and when is that going to be molly Thursday, the 23rd of February,
1: February, 23rd of February, seven o'clock on Zoom. Yeah.
0: going to be fun. A little live episode. Yeah, it's going to be great. And it was really fun at the Christmas party, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. To get the link, you just need to sign up to Patreon from just £2 a month. So head over there patreon.com forward slash simply vegan. We were sent a really exciting product this week, which we've been trying in our dishes over the past few days. It's called Yondu Vegetable Umami, and it's a vegan Korean all-purpose seasoned sauce. And it's gluten-free, organic, non-GMO and clean label. Yondu vegetable umami is made from organic soybeans, yeast extract and simmered broth of savoury vegetables like white radish, cabbage, Mm. leek, shiitake and garlic. Yum. This slow fermentation technique is the key to developing its deep flavour. And apparently it's become a favourite with celebrity chefs, home cooks, Michelin star restaurant chefs and even MasterChef finalists. What did you cook with yours, Molly?
1: Uh, So I cooked up a delicious mushroom risotto using yondu vegetable umami. It's the perfect broth replacement and brings out the natural umami flavour in mushrooms. You can find the recipe on their website.
0: Delicious. I've been putting it in everything. I did a jackfruit chilli with um, Mm. one teaspoon in. I added it to my scrambled tofu the other day. And I even combined it with chilli and garlic to make a sauce for a stir fry, which was really nice. You can even make salad dressings with it. You just mix a bit with olive oil and lemon juice to make a vinaigrette. It's such a good store cupboard staple, isn't it? Yes. Um, There's loads more inspiration for umami-rich vegan recipes over on their social media channels, including Instagram, which is at yondu.uk, and TikTok, which is at yondu underscore uk yondu vegetable umami can be purchased on amazon for seven ninety nine for 275 mils and a little really does go a long way today i'm joined by Rebecca Capelli who's director and co-producer of new film Slay. Welcome to the podcast Rebecca how are you
2: I'm good thank you for having me
0: um I've just watched the film and, um, yeah, feeling quite emotional now and quite um, quite sort of driven to, to share it with a lot of people. So I hope, you know, everyone listening will, um, yeah, sort of feel the same by the end of this interview. So tell us how you came to make
2: this movie. So a few years back, I was looking at um, what should be my next uh, film. So because in 2018... I made a short film called Let Us Be Heroes. It's available on YouTube on Flambe's news channel. And it went really well and very effortlessly. It's, um, again, a 40 minutes into how our food choices impact our health, our planet, and our values, and, of course, the animals. And this happened, you know, really, really quickly. Within just a few months, I brought, I wrapped it up. And so I thought, let me think about a feature film now. And... I picked fashion because of not only my own, you know, history and you know as a past I used to consume a lot of fashion myself um but also because it wasn't um it was a topic that hadn't been you know really covered especially you know as a documentary and I thought okay so let me let me dive into this because when it comes to our food choices there's still everything that remains to be done. There is a conversation in the mainstream media, you know, we've been talking about the impact of animal agriculture on the planet. We've been talking about plant-based alternatives, plant-based foods, Um, you know, there's some debate around that. But when it comes to fashion, Um, When we talk about sustainable and ethical fashion, the animals are completely absent from this conversation. So if you look at the main groups and the main organizations that are doing fantastic work for garment workers and the environment, and raising awareness, there's not one word about the animals, basically. So that's why I decided to make Slay. Number one, one of the big uh, key objectives was to put animals on the radar, to get the mainstream media to talk about animals in fashion. Um, but not just talk about them as a side topic, you know, it's not an environmental film. And by the way, this is what we do to the animals. This is a film for the animals. And by the way, it's not sustainable either.
0: Yeah. It's it sort of covers three main areas, doesn't it? The problems with, you know, using animals in fashion, which are, you know, the environmental reasons, the, the welfare, and also the human rights issues. Um I mean, it starts by looking at fashion as something that's sort of a social currency and and something, you know, it can give give us sort of a feeling of power. We use fashion to express ourselves. And you talk in the film about, you know, the fact that you used to wear fur and leather and, you know, everything else.
2: Yes, I did. And for the sake of storytelling, you know, it's also, I recap my journey into that. But what happened for me is um, about 80 years ago, I just simply opened my eyes to the fact that I was contributing to suffering and causing, you know, terrible pain to animals with my lifestyle choices, with the way that I was eating, and but also the the clothes that I was wearing. So for me, it was really I became conscious almost instantly. It's like the veal <laughs> dropped. Yeah. And so I could see what was on my plate, and I could also see that my handbag. Was actually made of the skin of mutilated animals, so it was very instant. And so from that moment on, I never bought any skin again. And even though I wasn't really aware of all the implication, I just knew this was something that I wanted to distance myself from. Mm. And then when I decided to make sleigh, I have to say that I had some vague idea about the fashion industry and about skins in fashion, but. I didn't know what I know now. So the journey that I'm going through in Slay of discovering all these facts, and for Slay, again, Slay is investigating the fur, leather, and wool industries. We actually shot in seven countries. We, um, you know, it's an extensive work of looking at what happens to animals, but also, you know, what happens to local communities that are exposed to this, you know, skin trade and and tannery business. Um, but also, um, yeah, the impact that it has on the planet. So getting into Slay, I didn't know very much about it. I thought, okay, I'm just going to make a film about this. It's going to be wrapped up pretty quickly. And as I was researching and as we were shooting, so Slay is an unscripted documentary, meaning I didn't have a script and then I went out shooting. We started shooting and I was researching alongside shooting um, so what happened was I was discovering new information. I was speaking to people and being exposed to some you know, new data. And then I realized, well, we can't talk about this topic, for instance, without addressing fur in China. Or we can't talk about this topic without addressing deforestation in Brazil. And so that really actually led to a lot of authenticity um, in the film. And everything we shot was first time on location maybe we have a little bit of reiki like half a day or day before just to say okay we're going to go to that place or that place and of course there's some research a little bit before but we didn't go and try to shoot you know we didn't we don't try to go 10 times to a location to find something bad Uh, everything we found was actually pretty accessible
0: Mm. yeah you really do feel like you're on the journey you know with you during the film and it is a, a brilliant watch um if not you know sort of tough at times let's let's talk about leather then so um, you went to India which is one of the world's major leather producers and they produce for names like Armani, Dior, Nike you know all the top names and leather is so sort of acceptable isn't it you know fur I it's we're sort of definitely in you know places like the UK it's you know, you wouldn't see people walking around wearing fur on a day-to-day basis, but leather, everyone has leather shoes, leather handbags, leather jackets. Um, And so you explore all the issues with this. So first of all, the environmental issues, the toxic chemicals. I mean, it's just shocking um, the pollution that it causes. Tell us about that.
2: So in the case of leather, we're looking at one of the most environmentally, you know, negative animal-derived material, even before cotton, before, you know, synthetic fibers, et cetera. Um, and that's not to say that these synthetic fibers are good, and we can get into that maybe a bit later. But in the case of leather, we have not only the greenhouse gas emission, but we also have the water consumption of leather. So we're looking at, you know, a cow high that is equivalent of... Um, requiring 100,000 liters of water, which means for a pair of leather shoes, this is the equivalent of a human drinking water for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And that is even before the tanning process. So water is a really big issue. Deforestation is obviously a really big issue as well for animal animal agriculture in general. So if we look at Brazil, 80% of the Amazon deforested land is caused by cattle ranching, and, of course, it's not just little cattle ranchers here and there. Actually, they are bought uh, by some of the biggest groups, like j b s, for instance, that's the world's leading meat producer in the world, but also the world's leading leather producer in the world. And when people say that leather is you know a byproduct, it's a waste product from the meat industry, and it's fine because, you know, people eat meat, so it's better then you know to waste the skins there's a lot of issues with that number one this is actually a myth that is very pervasive so you know we're looking at the leather industry that's worth close to leather goods we're looking at close to 400 billion dollars then the wealthiest man in the world is Bernard Arnault he's the president of LVMH it's a fashion you know group it's not a big tech guy that's the wealthiest man in the world it's a guy that's heading fashion houses and brands and these brands actually most of their revenue at least half of their revenue for all of them is leather goods and so we're looking at handbags shoes and you know wallets etc so leather is a very lucrative business so when we look at the deforestation in brazil and actually when we look at the environmental impact Um, of skins it's almost like the fashion industry and the interest groups are hiding behind you know animal agriculture and just you know letting animal agriculture endorse all responsibility and accountability when it comes to the environmental impact but they are not able themselves to take any accountability for their products. so they are complicit they are driving together with the meat industry all this deforestation all these waterways etc And then when we get into the tanning process, actually in the film, we can't even list all the chemicals that are commonly used in leather because the list goes on and on and on. We we give people a little glimpse. Um, And these chemicals are, you know, really, really toxic. Most of the leather that we wear is going to be produced in the global south. So it can be produced in China, in India, even in Brazil. And then... It's going to be pre-tan, so all the intensive part of tanning is going to be made in these countries where people are not protected by labor laws or by environmental laws. Actually, I, I think the stat is something like fifty percent of the tannery workers in Bangladesh that don't do not even make it to fifty years old. So, I mean, it's it's really devastating to see that up front, and of course, then you have the impact on local communities because. All the tannery waste is leaking into waterways, irrigation system, into farmlands, which means that even farmers are affected, that even farmers are affected, even the the crops are affected. And so it's really keeping people in a vicious circle of poverty, uh, disease, and, uh, you know, lack of education that comes from that as well. And these skins are then going to be exported, for example, out of India into... So many countries, they can end up in the European supply chain and end up, you know, becoming a handbag for a major brand that will get the Made in Italy label, for instance. So we have huge issues in fashion in general about the lack of transparency in the supply chain. But when it comes to skin, that's, you know, next level.
0: Yeah, because you went to Italy as well, didn't you, and looked into... The sort of leather industry there and um people are sort of believing that it's quality Italian leather and you know it's all very luxury but actually you know this this leather is being sourced from around the world and you know there's nothing luxurious <laughs> or glamorous about how it's made how its workers are treated how the animals are treated. So let's get on to fur then I think this was the hardest part for me to watch um because you visited fur farms and you know obviously found that extremely difficult um there's a lot of greenwashing with fur isn't there so you know and and we thought, you know all of it i think people want us to believe these industries want us to believe that these are natural materials and therefore you know they're better than choosing synthetic but that's that's not true is it either <laughs>
2: No, it's not. So there's a lot of greenwashing that is coming from these interest groups. So the fur industry, the leather industry, the wool industry as well. Um, And in general, there's this, uh, you know, idea that because the skins or even the wool or the fur is coming from animals and animals are natural, therefore these products are Natural and therefore they are sustainable. So first of all, it's not sustainable that we are breeding animals at the rate that we are. In the case of the fur industry, we're breeding 100 million animals every single year. They are born on fur factory farms, and it's not uh, it's not an environment that is designed for animal welfare in any way, despite what they are trying to uh, convince the public about. But I think people are. Becoming more and more aware, I think earlier you mentioned that, for example, in the UK you don't see people wearing fur. I have to disagree because although we don't see people wearing full-on fur coats, maybe as back in you know back twenty years ago, or thirty years ago, um, there is a, there are a lot of fur trims, and this year I've seen more fur trims in this city, so London, uh, Switzerland, Paris you know um italy i've been i've seen more fur trims this year than when we were shooting sleigh so there is definitely a lot of fur on the market Mm. and it's not done until the sale of these products is completely banned
0: yeah i think it's it's one of those things that you know I, i perhaps was naive about you know and i'm i'm working in the the this kind of world every day in terms of, you know, speaking to people in the, you know, the vegan industry and stuff. But yeah, I was I was kind of believing that oh, the fur problem is sort of being dealt with. So that's one less thing to worry about, you know, one less thing to keep myself awake at night worry about. But like you say, it's um it's still very much present. And
2: and just seeing the fur farms and the scale of things in China, it's just the fur industry. Yes, it is on the decline, even in China, Um, in part also due to COVID-19 and some of the public health issues that came from, you know, virus and uh, fur factory farms. But for me, as long as these products are still sold, the industry is alive. Mm -hmm. And until the last product is banned from a shelf and until we shut down the last, you know, the last farm and the last cage, then it's still alive. So, yes, we have made progress. Yes, there are a lot of brands that have banned fur, a lot of platforms, a lot of uh even uh, department stores. So Harvey Nichols recently went fur-free. But um we're still talking about an industry that is, you know, killing millions of animals in a horrific condition and you know, really atrocious conditions and by the way um just for anyone who's listening slay is not graphic it is uncomfortable because you know we go into these difficult topics but there is no skinning on the screen there's no you know knife in the throat there's no electrocution on screen or anything like that Mm. because it's just unwatchable just it's completely unwatchable
0: yeah, I must admit, I, I do get nervous about watching <laughs> documentaries of this nature and, you know, you you sort of uh, treated it very well. One Another topic that the film kind of covered was um, just the amount of money, you know, in the fashion industry and the, the meat industries, animal agriculture, that we, you know, as sort of animal lovers, as vegans, as animal rights activists are having to go up against. Um and you know these these protesters are kind of being labeled as terrorists in the US which is just insane
2: it's not just the US actually there are a lot of countries that are trying to push um to come to you know what the US has created to label environmental and animal rights activists as terrorists right so this is something that is not new it's been decades and decades in the making for this I really recommend will potter's book green is the new red it's fascinating and uh, will potter who is interviewed in the film is a journalist and he's been studying this topic for a long time so it really comes from these interest groups who you know uh, not just the fur industry for instance but uh, it started with the, the pharma big pharma and all the activists that were breaking into labs and causing damage and all of that and so it really became about accusing these people of becoming being eco-terrorists and then it extended of course to other areas and the fur industry as well likes to label you know some of the activists as eco-terrorists and terrorists so it's really a manipulation of course of the public opinion but more importantly it's a manipulation of uh, governments and of uh, people in power politicians then um, this, this interest group have a lot of money that they lobby and they you know it's not a partisan you know thing it's really across the board all politicians are receiving money from these big groups so from animal ag or from, you know, Big Pharma, or from Big Fur. Big Fur right now is a little in trouble, so I'm not sure they're having a lot of money right now for lobbying, especially in Europe, but but it is happening, and it has happened. So the fur industry, we need to understand that the fur, leather industry, and all these big industries, they will do anything to distract from the fact that we are... You know, killing animals. They don't want to talk about animals, so they want to talk about eco terrorists. They want to talk about, um, you know, freedom of choice. They want to talk about sustainability. They want to talk about, oh, we've been doing that for a long time, and poor little farm, etc. Um, but meanwhile, we are looking actually at big groups that are receiving, in some cases, subsidies um, from governments, and um, yeah, they're very powerful. So, um, but 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 again, I think I'm very hopeful in the fact that nothing is stronger than the truth. And um, of course, there are interest groups, and it's not being naive to think that, um, you know, we can win certain battles. But I think, you know, nothing is more powerful than the truth. And this is why they are calling people terrorists, because they don't want people to come and film and record what they are doing behind closed doors.
0: It's um. Yeah, it's the sheer scale of things and the and the cruelty, isn't it? And I know you had um Dr. Melanie Joy on the film who we've um had on the podcast and she, you know, talks about carnism and how we're sort of conditioned to you know, cuz cuz naturally humans don't want to cause harm, but it's all done in a way and you know, there's just the way that we've been conditioned in society that it's so hidden and and so normalized. Um let's talk about wool so that was the um sort of final part of the film and wool's definitely something that we see as natural um sustainable you know the animal's not killed you're just shearing a sheep what's the problem with wool um but you definitely uncovered that that's not the
2: truth yes and I get angry messages from people um very very often telling me that Oh, we are actually attacking wool, but these are natural fibers. And, you know, it's not the fault of wool producers that there are some bad shearers that hurt the animals sometimes. And that we are, you know, we're pushing for synthetics, um, which is not true. So in the case of wool, and this is something that I discovered making slay because I was not aware of it myself either, I really thought going into it that the um, main issue we were going to find was, you know, some mishandling at the shearing level, right? Actually, when it comes to wool, and I'm going to focus on Australia, which actually produces most of the world's wool and most of the world's merino wool, which is like the the finest, you know, kind of luxurious fiber that is really um, also advertised and promoted and defended by the interest group called Woolmark. And so Australia produces 80 percent of the world's merino wool. And for sleigh, we actually investigated the wool industry in Australia. So what I'm going to share is specific to that country, to that market, to the practices there. I have not had experience. We did not look into, you know, a tiny farm in Switzerland or in the UK or in Ireland. But we need to also be real that most of the wool, and in the case of Merino, it's 80%. It comes from, you know this country and the practices that are there. So first of all, sheep are an introduced species in Australia. They are not native. They came with colonization. And so in order to make place for sheep, there's been a huge impact on the local biodiversity and into the wildlife, the forest, et cetera. You have to, you know, clear land. And even the landscapes that we love everywhere, including in the UK with the hills and the sheep, these are not natural landscapes. The natural landscapes were the very dense, magical, you know, forest mm. that we still have picture of, of, maybe some parts, you can still see a little bit of that. And so that's number one, the level to which we are breeding sheep for wool. Today we have a billion sheep on, on the planet. And in Australia, Australia has 17 million sheep and so this is already we are already at a unnatural scale, right? In New Zealand, cattle and sheep represent about thirty percent of the greenhouse gas emission, you know from um from the country. Then, but if we really stay in Australia, so you have the land that has to be kept kept cleared, and this land, because there are you know sheep on it, it cannot be returned for rewilding. It cannot be returned to indigenous communities. Um, there's one issue, for example, that is also ongoing. The state of Victoria, the native dingoes, the beautiful wild, um, animals, they are actually being targeted and shot, even though they are a protected species, because they are labeled by sheep farming as preying on sheep, although the predatory rate is very, very low. But it's always an excuse to just shoot more animals and then clear more land to expand. So what I'm saying is I'm not, Slay is not an anti-fashion film. It's not an anti wool farmers film. These farmers, they are themselves under a lot of pressure from these interest groups to produce ever more. And so now let's get to the animals a little bit. So in order to breed these many million animals, you know, the the properties, uh, you have to imagine that you're in Australia and you're driving and you just see behind, you know, the fences, you see, you know, flocks of sheep and they are running free. And of course, it's not a factory farm environment. So it looks good. It doesn't look bad at all. And uh, that's really the illusion because, Once you really look into that industry, first of all, the animals have been um, selected genetically to produce more babies, so to have more twins and triplets, and sheep actually have as much twins and triplets as humans do, naturally. So they have been bred to have more twins and triplets. They've also been bred, and they are being bred, especially in the big properties, to give birth in the winter time, so that when the lambs grow, the farmers can save some cost because it's you know spring and summer, etc. If it was the natural cycle, they would have to supplement the feed costs by the time, whatever if they're slaughtered as a lamb around six months old or um, you know during that first year. As a result of this practice, every year in Australia, you have 15 million lambs that just die of neglect. Starvation and hypothermia. So the winters in Australia are actually quite cold. And the lambs actually, you know, they're born and the the mother cannot take care of them, or that she dies giving birth because you know they stay on the ground for too long and it's too cold. And a lamb actually, in the first 48 hours after being born, they cannot regulate their own temperature. They have to, you know, be close to the mother, et cetera. So you have these very harsh conditions. Plus, you have the issue with, you know, multiple births. In the case of twins and triplets, that's quite common. Plus, you have the issue with, you know, all these lambs are becoming orphaned. So that's the first thing we need to understand. And I really challenge anyone to cross a fence during the breeding season and to not find dead lambs because of that. It's really something that when we were, you know, when we were shooting Slay, I really thought, okay, we're going to go and maybe we have to go several times before we find a dead lamb or an orphan lamb and no you you cross by the way not supposed to cross but we did and we we went with uh, some local activists who have been this this work of rescuing these orphan lambs and you know you find it right away and so that's shocking to me and that just gives you the scale at which it's happening. So there's that. But let's say that the lambs do survive these first 24 hours, 28 hours and they grow. When they're just a few weeks old, they are going to be mutilated to prevent something that is called fly strike. So that's basically some kind of flies laying eggs in their bottom. And so sheep actually have a long tail. And I think we forget that because they, we also we always see them with a crop tail, yeah. but they have a long tail and these tails are cut so that if you have, you know, a flock of 2000 animals, of course, you cannot give care to every single animal every mm. single day. And we obviously don't want them to die before we slaughter them. So that's why they they have their tail cut off. But you also don't want them to breed randomly, you know, any time of the year. So that's why they are also castrated for the males. And this is done without um, painkillers, without anesthetic by law. It's perfectly, you know, happening. And this is not even um, touching on mulesing, which is, you know, not just cutting the tail at the back, but also shearing completely not shearing, actually cutting off the, the skin um, around the bum area of the sheep. This is all legal. This is all happening. And then every sheep that is in the wool industry that is exported for their wool, as like the merino sheep. Once their wool quality starts to decline, they are still sent to slaughter at about half of their lifespan. So the sheep industry is, the wool industry is a slaughter industry. And that's really important that we accept that and that's not to say that there's not one little farm. Again, I live in Switzerland, so let's say in Switzerland that has maybe ten animals, and there's a little grandma that is knitting from this wool, something cute for their grandkids. You know, we have a very, very romantic idea of wool. The commercial wool that is sold, you know you you really don't know what's happening, and uh, and it comes from you know a very high price. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it's just, just the sheer scale, isn't it? You know, there's so many humans and um, the things, yeah, the things that we're doing are just shocking and sad, really. Um, let's end on a positive because yeah. <laughs> these are some, you know, these are serious, heavy issues. And for, you know, I know our listeners love animals and it is it is hard to hear, but if if we hide away and don't kind of face up to it, then it will just carry on so we need to have these difficult conversations watch these difficult documentaries and you know spread the word and and you know make change so first of all the, the new technologies and fabrics i mean you know one good thing about humans is we are innovators so there's loads of fabrics available um, that are coming to market now made from mushrooms and cacti and Um, pineapple and things like that that you know aren't synthetic because people you know there is that argument isn't there that oh I don't want to use like plastic you know that's not good for the planet and it doesn't last as long so um, you know hopefully these if we continue to sort of support these new fabrics and try to I
2: don't know what what actions
0: can we take to sort of you know try and make a difference.
2: Of course. So when it comes to plastic, first of all, a lot of the leather is coated with plastic as well. And we have a plastic issue in general in our plan on our planet, as we know. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that is specific to, you know, the alternatives to leather. It's really something that is just, you know, around us and we have a plastic problem on our planet. So the the thing is when we compare the environmental impact of animal leather versus common, you know, PU kind of plastic uh, vegan alternative, we need to understand that per kilo, the animal leather is already more negatively impacting the planet. Mm. And that's not to say that the synthetic version is good and we should encourage that we should not. But first of all, we need to put stuff into context Mm. and a lot of the work from these interest groups, you know, the fur industry and the, the leather industry and the wool industry is to really take a debate about animals and make it about plastic. So we need to really understand that, no, we don't want more plastic in our world, but we also need to take violence and what we do to animals very, very seriously. It is a serious topic. It is as important, if not more important than the plastic issue. And when I say it's perhaps more important, it's because the way that we treat life on the planet also informs how we treat each other, how we oppress, you know, other groups, women, you know, children, etc. So this is something that we really have to be clear about. But then when we look at uh, alternatives, so today the um, let, let me put it into that context. So we have the current um, material that is actually not a material, it's skins. So skins are not a fabric, but this is the current, uh, especially in leather, this is the, the current uh, incumbents. Then you have the um, common alternative that is this PU leather, synthetic, um, that sometimes um, can be of good quality and long lasting depending on brands. So if you have um, a pair of shoes that's made from synthetic leather, but it's a really, really good quality, then you know you can also use that for a long, long time. But then also a lot of the vegan leather or the PU leather is not good quality. Then you have a lot of innovation in that sector. And as you mentioned, you have a lot of, you know, plant-derived materials uh, that contains, you know, um, some plant or biocomponents, but also that does contain to some degree some plastic or some PU. The innovation is getting there. So, you know, right now we do these materials, this innovation that are either, no cell-based, um, fermentation, microbe-derived, or uh, plant-derived, they are not widely available, not yet widely affordable, but it's getting there and the adoption is going to really accelerate. So uh, what I really can share in terms of uh, <laughs> how to be hopeful looking at this is that, first of all, slay... We have been engaging actively with brands, with the industry, and brands are receiving this very well. And they understand that most brands understand that they have a problem, not just in terms of consumption. In the next generation of consumers is going to ask the skins to be environmentally friendly and to be animal free. So we are going to look at better materials for sure. But also, unlike food, there's not such a high threshold of acceptance for people. People are really ready to accept you know um the next generation material so for instance, there was this study done by material innovation initiative in China, and ninety percent of the respondents said that they are very happy they would be very happy to actually adopt and and buy next generation leather instead of animal leather Mm. so it's happening it's happening very fast and uh, brands need to wake up yeah well
0: that's that's good to hear (laughs) Uh, where can people watch the film then so it's on is it water bear
2: yeah so water bear is the uh, eco streaming platform that was founded by um, the producer of my octopus teacher So you sign up for free and you have access to amazing content that is, you know, on social uh, issues, but also environmental. It's really a platform dedicated to the planet. Slay is um, available for free on Wild Bear. It's also available on iTunes and Amazon.
0: Oh, fantastic. So we can all watch it. We can all share it and um, hopefully start to see a bit of a difference. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, please do head over to WaterBear and watch Rebecca's film. It's a a really good watch. Thanks for listening today. And we'd love to know what you think. Do you wear secondhand leather um, or wool? Email us simplyvegan at anthem.co.uk. And don't forget, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash simplyvegan to join us from just £2 a month. There's lots of exclusive downloads and content. See you next week.